This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie, your host, and in for Archbishop Alexander Sample is Bishop Peter Smith, our Auxiliary Bishop in the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon. Welcome back, Bishop Smith. It's been great to have you with us during this month of May and during a very busy kickoff month, I think. It's the month of, or actually it's the time of confirmations is coming close. Great to be with you, Dina Marie, and blessings to you and all the listeners on Mater Day Radio, however you are tuning into this and listening to this. Uh, Easter blessings to all of you. Yes, we are into confirmation season, or as Archbishop Lasny, our Archbishop Emeritus, would say, we're on the Chrism Trail. (laughs) The Oregon Trail ended ended here, but we're now on the Chrism Trail. And uh, we've done, I know Archbishop Sample and I have each done one or two confirmations before uh, Easter earlier in the year. But generally speaking, I would say probably 90 to 95% of our confirmations happen um, starting after Easter and going through until early mid-June. And it can get really, really busy. There was one year when I was helping the Archdiocese of Seattle as well as doing our own because the, they only had one auxiliary bishop at the time and the archbishop had major back surgery and couldn't do anything. So uh, and during that year, I believe I had 15 confirmations in 14 days. And I think <laughs> I had one, one free evening. So I was a road warrior there on the prison <laughs> trail, uh, putting lots of miles on the car. But yeah, for me, the first one starts on the Saturday after Easter. Um, that's the first confirmation I have. And then obviously Divine Mercy Sunday the next Sunday, the Sunday right after, the Sunday after Easter. So those are the first two, and then we're off to the races after that. Fortunately, this year for me, I only have about uh, one week where I think I have five and seven days, and I think two in one day. But other than that, it, they, it's a little more manageable in terms of, of getting around where to go, uh, not, not sort of falling, almost falling asleep at the wheel on the car, So the way we try to do it is that if a parish has more than 25 confirmandi, they get their own confirmation. Uh, Otherwise, what we do is we then try to have them grouped together uh, with with other parishes. So our large parishes, I have two at one parish this year, and I think the archbishop also has two at another parish. And then there's a third one where he has one and I have one because they have so many uh, confirmandi. I remember one year I had one confirmation at Our Lady of Lavon, 
and I think it was 122 kids. And a lady of Laoang has a wonderful way that they do it. I mean, it, it is uh, all the kids wear the same sort of style of clothing, the way they handle it. It's just very impressive if you haven't seen it before. <laughs> and, but it, uh, I think, it took three plus hours for the confirmation and an hour and a half for the photos. So that's another thing that happens is uh, depending on the parish and depending on the people, uh, some places are fine. Uh, other places, they want tons of photos. So that also adds to the whole thing. Right. But you have to balance this all out going up and down the diocese and where you've been. We try to keep track. The archbishop's rule of thumb is uh, he wants to go to each parish once every two years for confirmation. And then I take the other one. And then when there's a problem that we can't do that, then Archbishop Lasney will step in and help out. He's been wonderful over these years. Just absolutely a blessing to have for us and supporting us, uh, particularly in confirmations. Bishop Steiner will do one or two um, in, in the immediate vicinity where he lives. As we all get older, traveling gets a little, uh, when you're young and ready to go, let's go. Driving six hours to Brookings, oh, I can handle that. As you, as you get on and your body starts to creak a bit, <laughs> mm-hmm. it gets a little more challenging. Yeah. But it's great to be out on the parishes, to be with people, to see people. Um, one of the things we have to concentrate on is we each do our own homilies confirmation and what do we focus on on different years and for me I normally have uh, as best I can get a a moving story to, to to as a practical example of it so I have to keep track okay what have I done in these different parishes because I don't want to go back into a parish that, oh that's what you did last year or that's what you did four years ago when you were here you know I wanted to okay Lord, you got to give me some inspiration here. Remind <laughs> me of something, please, Lord. I'm drawing a blank. Well, give us a sense, Bishop Smith, in terms of our sacraments and as we grow in the sacramental life, of course, this is an initiation sacrament. So the first sacrament is baptism. Where does confirmation fall? Typically, um, certainly when we came into the Easter season with Easter Vigil, people who were in the RCIA process they were confirmed into the church, but we also have this group of young people. So where typically do we find this sacrament of confirmation happening in our faith journey? That is a question that is in considerable debate in the church. Mm-hmm. And you start from the early church. So in the early church, uh, almost everybody joining a church was an adult. So the sacraments of initiation were baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist in that order. So that's what you see at the Easter Vigil or another uh, service where somebody who is not baptized becomes a Catholic. So they go through, they receive those sacraments, baptism, then confirmation, then Eucharist. Obviously, as time goes on, now we have infants or or young children, very little children that that are being brought into the church. And so the sacraments started to get spread out. Now, our Eastern Rite Catholic brothers and sisters and the Orthodox follow the original um, tradition. So, for for example, an Eastern Rite Catholic child, like a Ukrainian child, Ukrainian Catholic church, 
when they're baptized, that child is, receives communion and confirmation in that order. So I mean, in, uh, bap, uh, sorry, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist. So that's why when, the, when those children or families come to our churches, Latin Rite churches, you'll see these very little kids coming to receive communion. Uh, we haven't done that in the Latin Rite church. And so communion got pushed uh, out and then about seven became the time for communion um, when they wanted to encourage frequent reception of communion in the age of reason. Confirmation sort of got pushed around. I was confirmed when I was eight years old. Uh, I remember that very clearly. I made my first communion, and then the next year I was getting confirmed. Uh, here in this country, and it's pushed into, well, it depends. Depending on the diocese that you go to, you can put it anywhere between the age of, age of reason, and I think it's 16, something like that. So we've generally had it on uh, towards the older age group. There are a few dioceses that have gone back to the original order of the sacrament. And so what they will do is uh, you get baptized as a child, then at your first communion mass, you're confirmed and then make your first communion. And then other dioceses who do it younger, they have it like we do, baptism, then first communion, and then they do confirmation. And it, the child may be younger, maybe in middle school that you do it, or even yeah, middle school, somewhere around there. Right. So it all depends. We, we tend to do it in freshman year. and high, Until now, we've been doing it freshman year in high school. Uh, but we're taking another look at it right now. Give us a sense, um, Bishop Smith, because we had Chrism Mass, and I was uh, grateful to be able to be at this year's Chrism Mass. But the Chrism oils are blessed. Then they go to all the parishes. Kind of take us through from Chrism Mass, and then as we go to these Confirmation Masses, the process of, of the bishop's presence in the people as these sacraments are being administered. And then we see physically, and you mentioned before this, we have senses that connect with our reception of sacraments and the fragrance and the actual physical touch of an of a oil on us at a Chrism and then the Confirmation Masses. Yeah, so at the Chrism Mass, uh, the, the original time for the Chrism Mass is on the morning of Holy Thursday. So if you go to the Vatican website or Vatican News, you will see that on Thursday morning in Rome, you have the Chrism Mass. Now, a few dioceses in this country do it that way. Most have to do, do make an adaption of that because of the circumstances. Historically, in this archdiocese, we've done it on the Monday evening of Holy Week, uh, Monday, because it'll, we want to get as many priests there as we can. And the one, the Christmas Mass we just celebrated this year was the biggest that I've been to since I've been ordained. And I've been ordained a priest in this diocese 20 plus years. And we not only had the entire sanctuary seating filled and the entire side, the, the, the transept on the, the Blessed Sacrament side filled, we also had, I think, three, three on one side and four on the other side, rows of the pews filled. So it was an, a wonderful blessing. And it's a, it's a great sign of uh, Archbishop Sample's efforts to build more of a sense of communio among the clergy. Uh, he's put a ton of energy of effort into this. And we're beginning to see the fruits of this. Um, so we do it on Monday of Holy Week. I know some other dioceses that are 
so big and so far flung that what they will do is they'll have, it would be the week before Holy Week, or in some cases they do three or four because the distances are such that it's just not convenient for guys to drive five, six hours to the mass and then back. How do they cover their parishes and so on? So we adjusted. But the, the purpose of the Christmas Mass is to bless the oils that we will be using through the next year. And one of the things that happens with that is that we also change out the oils. So different parishes have different ways. The, the old oils are still good, but we normally change them out because they're based on extremely pure olive oil. And like any natural substance, even if it's blessed, it degrades over time. And so we replace them. And there are different ways that you can replace the oils. You can uh, pour them into the ground. Uh, I know other parishes that get all these cotton balls and they pour all the oil into the cotton balls and, and you light that. And so you have this sacred flame going up. But there are different ways you can do that. But those oils then go to the parishes and that they're then used. The oil of the catechumens that we use in the RCA process or people joining the church. Uh, and at, at baptism, we have the, the oil of the infirm that is the most commonly used one for anointing of the sick. And then chrism that we use on baptisms, confirmations, uh, ordinations, and the dedication of a church or altar. It's, I think it's just so beautiful that with those oils, they're going to be coming out at these special times, at a baptism, at the confirmation of our kids, um, at the anointing of the sick or at the bad side of someone who will be passing on. So how beautiful is it to have those beautiful oils? Give us a sense, Bishop Smith, of the presence of the bishop, that, that the, pre- the bishop's role in confirmation, in administering this particular sacrament of confirmation. Okay, so the way the church uh, set it up is the bishop is the normal minister of confirmation. The bishop can delegate that. Now, when somebody joins the church, the, the priest receiving them into the church, by, by that function, can confirm. So that's what you will see at the Easter Vigil Masses or other Masses where, like Pentecost is another time or... Uh, Corpus Christi, one of those Sundays, our major celebration, people are joining the church, the priest baptizes, confirms, gives them the Eucharist, or at least if they're baptized, confirms and gives them the Eucharist. By virtue of joining the church, priests normally can do that. So other than that, the confirmation is a separate sacrament. The bishop is the normal minister, but the bishop can delegate. And that's what we did in the first year in COVID. We delegated it out to the priests because we couldn't get around and we sent out the materials. I think there was a lot of excitement among the priests, at least many of them. Now we we can do this. Uh, The next year when we asked, shall we do this again? It's like, nah, we want the bishops. So uh, it was like 80, 85% were, no, no, we want you guys back in. So that was just, that was an interesting uh, uh, result of that little, little consultation we did with all the brother priests who were out there. So, and a good thing about it is for us, as the bishops in the archdiocese, uh, particularly Archbishop Sample and myself supporting him, uh, is it makes the connection that this is a parish of the archdiocese and that we're connected 
because some, sometimes here in the Northwest, everybody is sort of libertarian, everybody is individualist. You know, what's the local church? I mean, if you ask Catholics in the pew, what's the local church? They would say, my parish, you know, St. Rose, Our Lady of the Lake, All Saints, whatever it is, that's the local church. But actually, the local church is not that. The local church is the diocese with the bishop at the center surrounded by the priests, the religious, the deacons, and the lay faithful. And they are organized into different parishes. But the connection is with the bishop. That's why we put the bishop's name in the Eucharistic prayer. So if you go through any Eucharistic prayer, it goes Francis, our pope, Alexander, our bishop. And before that, it was, you know, Benedict, our pope, John, our bishop. When Pope Benedict was the pope and Archbishop Blasny was the bishop. And those change, but that's the connection. So we're gathered around together because originally in the very, very beginning of the church, when it was the church was sort of underground or even when it started coming up above ground, it, you would have you know, a bishop in charge of a local church. And then you would start having these little satellite churches and then more. And Okay, how do we make this work? Well, you can make that work for four or five or six. But then at that point, okay, now we have to reorganize this and so on. But very clearly, you know, the church's understanding is the diocese is the local church, uh, the bishop at the center. So the bishop, the, our understanding as Catholics is that the bishop is a successor to the apostles. And there's an unbroken line going through from each bishop all the way through to the apostles. And that's not only for the bishops, the priests can, are ordained by someone with an unbroken line going all the way back through to the apostles. And there's, a, there, there, there's at least one website out there that you can go and look up in any bishop in the world and it traces, it got, gets back to about 1500. So somewhere in there, but you can trace it back. I've had a look at mine, go all the way back. Uh, the last known one was a guy who was patriarch of Constantinople at some point. Um, but you just see all, see this guy ordained, this guy who ordained, this guy who ordained, this guy uh, down through the way. And so that's, that, that's where we have that connection uh, of the local church. But it's a very helpful thing uh, most of our pastors are telling us. There are a few that don't like it when the bishop shows up. But most of us, most pastors, and when I was a pastor, I loved it. The bishop would show up, and it's a way of helping people connect uh, and help us feel sense of a, the larger entity that we're part of in the diocese, which is part of the larger Catholic Church. And Bishop Smith, maybe for those who have not yet been to a confirmation mass, give us a sense of that time, you know, the, the, the praying over that each individual, when the oil would be administered, um, you know, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit on each individual, if we're, if we're called by name, we have a confirmation name, right, that connects us. Um, give us a little bit of a sense of what's going on at that confirmation mass at that time. Certainly. So think of a Sunday mass. So the confirmation mass uh, normally is like a Sunday mass. You may have a procession, and sometimes the kids all process in, or young people, should I say, process in ahead of the, uh, the bishop and the priest and whoever else are there. 
Other times they're already seated. So you begin Sunday Mass and you've, you finish the gospel and then obviously the homily is focused on confirmation. So after that, we come to the rite of confirmation. And so the rite of confirmation begins with a renewal of our ba uh, uh, baptismal vows and a renewal of our promises that we make. So you, there are very different variations. This is how the creed began. So you start with the renewal of that. We do that at Easter. Anytime there's a baptism, it's the question and answer format. So you, do you renounce sin? And there's a couple of versions of that. Do you, do you, do you believe? Yes. So we profess our faith. Then we move to the next thing, which is then we, it's the prayer over the people being to be confirmed. Uh, in one sense, it's, uh, it's like a, a, a praying against the evil one. And then there's the, the, the prayer over each person. And normally that's done by the bishop extending his hands over everybody. Uh, with small confirmations, you know, I've had cases where there's seven or eight. And they're all in the front row. I just go down there and I lay hands on their head like the ritual calls. And you pray in silence. So at least you don't pray out loud. I'm praying for them, but uh, silently over each one like that. But normally we, we extend our hands over them and pray, pray over them. And then the next thing is they come forward for the anointing. So they come forward with their confirmation sponsor. And they may or they have the choice of whether to take a saint's name or not. So some, a majority of them do, some don't, they just, they just keep their own name. And so they'll be presented that way. And so I present to you, you know, John Paul. Okay, and so that point, I put my thumb in the chrism, trying not to drop it on the vestments and everything. <laughs> the, the, the logistics of this, this, you, you watch these things and you don't realize all this other stuff. I've, I've taken care of a couple of vestments. Um, some bishops will hold their crozier. I don't. I want a, a purificator in my hand so that after I confirm them, I wipe my hand because the chrism starts running all the way down the earth, getting everywhere. So it can get messy. Not as messy as when a bishop's ordained and they pour it all over your head. But I could tell you a few stories about that. Um, not my own and then others. But what happens is they come up and say, John Paul, and John Paul, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or you know, Teresa, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I very deliberately, twice actually, will trace in the, the oil, the chrism, a cross on their forehead. And I do it slowly and twice. Um, you don't have to, but I sort of do it that way. So people, obviously, the, the people who want to get photographs and all of that. So, but I also want to keep it, uh, I know some guys joke with the kids coming up. I do that during the homily, interact with them. I would normally try to be dead serious when I'm uh, confirming them because I wanted them to understand because the homily that I normally give or homilies I give usually challenges the living daylights out of them. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing, well, I was confirmed and nothing happened. Well, what did you expect? Were you open to the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, Because the reality is God can give us a gift, 
but our free will determines how that gift impacts our lives. And then after that, I will say, peace be with you. And they respond and with your spirit. And then they proceed back to their places. And then after that's all done, mass continues as normal. And that, that's essentially the rite of confirmation that happens at that point. Well, it is such a beautiful time. And I just want to invite our listeners that if you haven't been to a confirmation mass, check your local parish to see when that's coming up. Pray for these young people and pray for their families, that they really be open to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, in this time of Easter, those who have the opportunity to receive the confirmation uh, sacrament in this season what I think it's such a beautiful blessing. And so I will, will pray for you and Archbishop Sample for your safety as you travel about for Archbishop Lasny as well. Uh, we are grateful for the shepherds that we have in the church to bring us the message of Jesus Christ. And so I guess, Bishop Smith, I'd like to ask you for, you know, a final message to those preparing this year for confirmation as you close with your blessing. Certainly, all those preparing for confirmation be open to whatever the Holy Spirit has for you. In approaching the sacrament, it's nothing special in one sense. In another sense, it's like, Lord, here I am. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. That's what John says of Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And baptism means being immersed. So give God permission. Give the Holy Spirit permission to come into your life in a deeper way and begin to transform your life. Your life will never be the same if you do that. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, as we come to the end of this, this show, we just lift up to you all those who will be confirmed this year. Lord, open their hearts and their lives more and more to your Holy Spirit, your gift of life to us. And Lord, we entrust them all to you. And Lord, bless them even now as they prepare for confirmation. And we pray glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.